So I got to tell you a funny, so this morning when we were praying before we came out, Alex Darnell said, you know, when you said left on red last week, my first thought was he's going to be talking about left on red like on a red light. (laughs) You can't turn left on red. And somebody else said that was my thought too. But left on red is that whole idea of, listen, I'm 58. So, well, I'm 58. My wife thought I was 59. She told somebody last week I was 59, so we're still getting to know one another. We've been married for 31 years. There's still this growing, which is why we, you know, this whole message on talking and left on red is very important. I have to, we have to remind one another. I guess the older we get, we have to remind one another more often. But the, um, but left on red is this, if you're, if you're probably, I don't know what age group you might be, but a certain, there's a certain age group that is so engaged in social media, you know what left on red is. Now, I did not know. I didn't, somebody said that, and I didn't know what that meant, and then Joshua said it, and I said, what does that mean? And he told me, he said, you know, it's when someone sends you a text, and then you don't reply, but it sends them a read receipt. So it says that you read it, but then the person who read it didn't reply, so they're left on read. In other words, they, there's a sense, they just ignored me. They just ignored me. What I just sent them isn't important. Well, listen, I do that all the time, but I turn off read receipts. I don't ignore I just don't get to it right then. And so they'll send these things and they'll do this. So it's called left on red if you don't reply to someone's message. Like uh, Tim Darnell sent Matt Hoffman a text this week and Matt left him on red. And, uh, and uh, he was just practicing what we learned last week to see what the result might be. And they worked it all out and got their friends again, their father and son again. But um, so there's this, this whole thing about left on red. So let me ask a question. How many of you in here have ever recognized you were left on red? You knew it. So let me ask, how many of you, how can I say this so that you'll raise your hand? Don't feel bad to raise your hand because no one knows who you're talking about. How many of you, it bothered you that you were left on red? Matt, he's still not, he hasn't forgiven you yet. How many of you, again, say it again, how many have bothered you that you were left on red? How many of you sent a reply and texted him back and say, I saw you read it, but you didn't reply? How many have done that? No way. In a mad face, like in a mad emoji? No, no, no. So social media has an entirely, uh, uh, it's, a, it's own language, you know. And people send uh, initials all the time and, and what have you. And listen, I don't know what any of that means. If you send me little initials and I send you a little smiley face back, it means, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Call, call me. Just call me. Send me an email. But... This whole idea and concept of being left on red is, as we began and we jumped in on part one last Sunday, this whole thought is the process of how many times have we left God on red? How many times has He tried to communicate with us? And we've known. He said to us, I have something to say. I want you to go this way or I want you to go that way or I would like this from you or I want to do this for you or whatever it is. And then we don't even respond. We don't react, we don't move right, we don't move left, we don't pay attention, we don't contemplate or consider what it is he's about to say, we don't, we don't give him the attention. He's obviously, listen, I can tell you this, I am certain of this, it is so true that if God is speaking to you and me, if he is taking the time to say something to us, I'm of this belief, it's important. How about you? When my wife speaks to me, it's important. It's important. I'm listening to her. Now, I see some of the wives in here looking at your husbands right now wondering why they don't. I don't always. I always know, listen to what I'm about to say. I know in my head and I know in my heart that when my wife speaks, I should give her my undivided attention. I know it in my, everybody say, I know in my head. I know in my heart. I should give her my undivided attention. But when she speaks, do I always do that? Knowing what I should do, 
Do I always do that? Now all the husbands are smiling and they're, they're just trying to hold it back right now because we don't. She'll speak and we're doing something and then how many times does she have to come back and say, why did you leave me on red? How many times have our wives had to come to us? Now, I'm picking on the husbands today because I am one. But how many times have they come to us and say, you didn't listen to a word I said? And then our response is, I heard everything you said. And then what comes next? That's exactly right. What did you say? And then we quickly try to make things up. And we get as close. We might have heard one or two words of the whole three paragraphs that they spoke, or pages, whatever applies. We might have heard one or two words in that whole conversation that they were saying to us. So we'll say, You said, Be sure and feed the dogs. What they said was, I've already fed the dogs. This happens all the time in my house. No, I did not say that. What I said was, we should have learned by now if we listened the first time. <laughs> How much trouble could we avoid if we just listened the first time? In fact, everybody say that. How much trouble, How much trouble could, we avoid could we avoid if we just listened, we just listened. the first time? Everybody, every husband right now, look at your wife and say, I'm not leaving you on red. I'm not leaving you on red. Now, every wife, look at your husband and say, I won't give you too much to read. Oh. <laughs> Don't do it. No, uh, take that back. Erase that. Erase that from the... T all the bad comments I'm getting on Facebook and YouTube and... I take it back. But how many times are we being spoken to, we hear it, but we weren't listening to it. We know something's been said, but we're not engaging what was said. So I want to pick up this week with Left on Red Part 2, and I want to talk about this, this concept that is so simple, but so, there's so many scriptures and reference points to this that it's impossible to pull all of them out. So I pulled out just a few today to help us really lay hold of this particular concept that isn't created by man, wasn't devised by man, but literally came from the heart and soul of God for you and for me. And that word is meditation. Meditation. Now, when we hear the word meditation, if we're not careful, we'll go to all the wrong things. Not that some of these things I'm referring to are wrong, but we'll misplace, we'll misposition that word meditation. When we think of meditation, oftentimes we think of... Mm. And I remember when I first got saved and there was this, and some of you will remember this as well, but the church that I was saved in and was a part of for so long, meditation was a word you didn't even use it. It was considered a bad word. Because it was, again, it was misplaced and it had been used so incorrectly for so long. Everybody in the church world back in the 80s, 70s and 80s when I got saved, everybody in the church world back then, your mind every time always went to, hmm, it went to a Buddha thought or it went to a whatever thought or a Hare Krishna thought or whatever. Anything that wasn't God, it went straight to that. Straight to that. It went to every false religion. It went to every, everything that was not right. So there was this sense when I had gotten saved that we do not meditate is wrong. You should be talking. You sh you're, something should always be coming out of your mouth so that you're not missing. Or you're not giving an opportunity to hear something you shouldn't hear. How many know what I'm talking about? Those of you from that generation know exactly what I'm talking about. So it was when you are praying, when you are talking to God, you need to make sure that you just keep on talking. Don't take a break. When you say amen, you close the door. That's what used to be said. When you say amen, you close the door, nothing else is getting in. Well, nothing else is getting out either. 
Amen means all said and done. It's all over. Amen does not mean that, by the way. Amen means I come into agreement with. It means I'm striking hands with. I come into agreement with everything that you have for me that you've said and that you will say. But that was the belief, that was the idea, that was the thought was don't meditate. Meditation is bad. What we do, we don't meditate, we pray. We pray. We don't meditate, we pray. Well, as time went on and I was growing in the Father and I was maturing in Him and I was learning and, I was, and I'm a very, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a studier, I'm a, I don't know what you call it, I like to, I'm a deep diver, I like to dive deep, I like to sort things out and I kept seeing this word meditation in Scripture. I kept seeing it over and over and over again. In fact, I saw the word meditation more than I saw the word pray. So I'm doing this deep dive and I'm going through this thing and I'm going, I'm thinking, man, why is this, why is it sinful? If I just, not, I never saw in there where I had to, but a long time ago, probably in the early 90s, as I'm looking and I'm seeing this word meditation and I'm beginning to now ask questions, you know, it can't all be wrong. I mean, there's so many reference points to meditation in scripture where nobody was talking. How wrong can it be? So I did what I do, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to sit before the Lord, and I'm going to be quiet. I've told these stories to you before. Some of you that are, you that are part of this house, you've heard these. But I was in a church in Cordell, Georgia in 1989. And I was sitting in that church in Cordell, Georgia, and I was doing what I did, and I was a music leader, and I was uh, evangelizing. We were doing tent meetings and what have you back in those days. And, and, um, and I went back, and I was preparing for something and, and uh, preparing for an actual tent meeting and, and, um, and uh, doesn't matter where it was now, just south in Macon, south of Atlanta. I was preparing for a tent meeting, but I, I, w- I had no clarity. I had none. Didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was doing this, this whole time. This, there's this, this season of what is meditation, what does it mean to be quiet before God? Is the way I defined it then, just being quiet before Him, to hear His voice. And I was learning what that meant. And I went back into a back room in this little church that we had at Sunrise Cathedral in Cordell, Georgia, and I walked back into that back room because I didn't have any clarity, and I sat back there and I said, you know what, I'm not going to say a word. I'm simply going to sit down in this, in this little, there was a little boot, uh, bench, I'm going to sit down on this little bench and I'm just going to be quiet until I hear God. And that was my, the first time that I ever sat silently before Him that I recall. And I sat down on that little bench in that little back room in that little bitty church in that little bitty city. And I sat there and I just was quiet. And I sat there and I didn't have my eyes closed. I just sat there and I just waited. Father, in, in, in my mind, in my heart, I, my, there was communication that was happening but it wasn't audible. I was trying to focus on what David said, what different ones said in Scripture. And I just, Father, I want to meditate. I just want to clear my mind. I don't want to fill my mind with what I should be saying, what I think I should be saying. Help me just sit here and be quiet. And I cannot tell you how hard that was. First of all, I'm a talker anyway. So then to sit on that bench and just look around, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I don't remember how long I, I sat there. But I remember this. I remember there was a sense of emotion that began to overcome me, take, uh, come over me. Sitting there on this bench, not saying one thing. I didn't say, dear Jesus, dear God, here I come, here I am, where are you? I didn't do any of that. How come I don't have a word? You're not talking to me. I didn't do any of that. All I knew was I'm going to practice what I've been told for so long I'm not supposed to do. But I'm going to do it because... Man, it's in, it's in Scripture. It's in the Bible. How wrong can it be? And I had this emotion that began to come over me. And I'm sitting there and I'm weeping. I got to the point where I'm weeping and I have not yet said a single word. In the middle of that, He began to pour out. I never said a word, but I began to hear. And then I began to write. As I heard, I had my little tablet, and I began to write. 
Everything I was hearing in my spirit, I began to write. I began to write. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And then I preached on that. I don't remember even what that message was. I probably still have the notes somewhere. But I wrote. And you know what I found out that day? There's nothing wrong with this. I was quiet before him. And he spoke to me. Maybe the reason he didn't speak to me before now, about tonight, is because I didn't shut up long enough for him to talk. Now we have this sense, just hear me out if you will, and, and I know that there's visitors present in this room. I hope that you, I don't sound like I'm attacking prayer because that's not my intention. I love prayer. prayer meditation and prayer go together. So don't misinterpret what I'm saying today and if you do at least come back and hear again because you need to understand that my heart is to know the Father not to confuse you fair so what I learned from that was as I went on that quickly became a part of my time with the Father I still did a lot of things based on the routines and the schedules and the ways that I'd always done it. And I did things similar to that simply because that's what I knew how to do. And as we grow, that's our tendency is to do things the same way until we grow out of that, right? We wear the same shoes over and over and over again until we grow out of those, then we get a new pair. We wear the same clothes till we grow out of them and then we get a new set of clothes. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> but we, our tendency is to do the same thing. Your tendency, my tendency, it's to get into these places. And I would ask this this morning, of those under the sound of my voice in this room or watching online today, I would ask this this morning, how many of us present right now find ourselves that our time before the Father is the same almost every time? Or similar. So similar, there's very few differences. Our prayer is the same. What we do is the same. Our activities are the same. The schedule is the same. All of this. What, would, what, what, is, what is in us that causes us to explore the unknown places in God? If He can do this at 6 a.m., can He do it at 2 Well, I'll never know because I'm never praying at two because I learned to pray at six. So, in this second part of this series, I want to look at how we can stop leaving Yahweh on red whenever He sends His Word to us and we can dive into the ways that He has given us to communicate not only to Him, but to receive from him. I just wonder this out loud right now. I wonder how many prayers we've not received, answers to our prayers we've not received, not because he didn't send the answer, but because we weren't quiet long enough to understand how to accept the answer when it came. So Psalm 119 verses 15 and 16 reads like this says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and will not forget your word. I was talking to a family this morning. I won't say who it was, but we were talking and they were sharing with me what they did this week with their family uh, as a result of this word left on red last week. And we're talking about what they were, they didn't give a lot of details, but the benefit they shared with those of us that were listening, the benefit that they saw that came from them taking a week and they turned off social media, they turned off the television, they turned everything off, and they were going to focus on, we're going to talk to one another, we're going to hear Yahweh, we're going to learn how to listen again. And they did that, and the benefits have been incredible in their family. I can tell you today, I wonder for you and me, if we learn to do exactly what this psalmist said in Psalm 119, meditate on his precepts, and we fix our eyes on his ways, what might we see and hear? If we stop pushing him off, see, here's the problem, and I, I wasn't going to say this, I'm going to say it now. But I shared this morning, 
and I've shared this recently because I think it's important. I appreciate deeply what Larry Lee, the minister, Larry Lee, some of you are familiar with him from my generation specifically, but out in Dallas, Texas, what Larry Lee began many years ago when he started the prayer the prayer time, can you not tarry one hour? And he began to teach on how to pray, how to talk to the Father, the importance of praying for one hour a day. He began to share, he began to teach it. It was very good. It was, it was in a season that it was necessary. The church, if there's anything lacking in the church world today, I believe it is sincere, not prayer, but sincere prayer. In fact, next week we're going to be talking about, it's not about if I pray, it's about how I pray. So what Larry Lee did was he started this thing and then he, he did these bullet points and, and in his book there were these places where he said, you know, this is the statistics for mankind, for Christians today. That this is what they fill their hours with. At this time of the day they're doing this these things. At this time of the day they're doing these. The majority of Christians are doing this. What, eating lunch, going to work, um, bathing their kids, whatever it might be. And he laid those all out. And he said the least busy time, generally speaking, for believers is 6 a.m. So what we are going to do is we're going to begin to push people to pray from 6 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock in the morning, wherever they are. Begin to pray at that time. So you're praying that hour where you're the least likely to be busied up. And he began to do that, and it was powerful, and it was incredible. I did the same. Th I did it. I, I followed through with that. My wife and I preached at a church that was just a couple of miles away from his church. We would go there, and we would teach. And it was always awesome to me to be even in the same city where that man brought that message and really began to transform the believer's concept of what it is to talk to God. I thought that was phenomenal. And then as time went on, I began to realize what happens though, not just with this message that Larry Lee released, but also with a message that I might release, you might release, or anybody else might release. The challenge and the danger with any message that we release is that we get stuck in that message. We get stuck there, so in our mind it becomes this, and I'm just being really broad with this, but in our mind it becomes this, if I'm not praying from 6 until 7, then I'm not really being efficient with my prayer time with God. Or it becomes this, we've created that 6 to 7 routine so that if 7 comes and we didn't pray, well, miss today, I'll pray tomorrow. Because now that time has passed. Because it's... It's, it's on a schedule. So my relationship with Him and how I relate to God has become this scheduled thing. So if I missed it, I'm just gonna, He's going to have to wait till tomorrow now to talk to me. Or my Bible reading of the day when I get my little box out on the table and I flip it up and here's the scripture of the day. Oh, missed it. I'm going to have to read tomorrow because mm, missed that one. Now this isn't true of everyone. I understand that. But it's true of so many. And it's true, it's at one time or another, true of all of us where we will shove something off because we didn't hit the moment. Or we didn't feel like we measured up to the mark in that moment. Do you hear me this morning? But here, in Psalms it says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways and I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I shared last week that this was part of the process for me to begin to teach this series because some time ago as we were praying over our food and, and I, I feel like or I felt like up until that time I felt like I was not a habitual prayer person. When I say that I don't mean I didn't have a habit of praying. I meant that um, I did not pray the same way every time I prayed. I would have defined myself as a person who was very aware of the moment, who was very keen on, on whatever might change between this meal and the last one. And I was praying, getting ready to pray. My family was gathered. We were seated, seated, at, seated at the table. And I immediately became aware that, you know what, this is going to be different. So I began to pray and I was conscious. I began to contemplate the words that were coming out of my mouth. It didn't come out because it was a memorized thing. I eliminated that. I said, it's not going to sound anything like it did before because when it becomes memorized, who am I praying to? Am I praying to hear God's word or am I simply praying to appease me? 
What has prayer become to you and me? Do we pray because we feel like if we don't, we're missing something? Or do we pray because we understand and know that when I do, I'm really talking to God? This really, this deserves undivided attention. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So with an effort, and it's effort, it's thought. When I pray over my food, when I sit down with my wife or my kids are gathered or I'm with you and I'm at the table and someone asks me to pray, if I'm there, it's not going to be the prayer you heard me pray the last time. Something's going to be different about that because I want with my mind to contemplate what I'm about to say because I don't want God to feel like, well, thank you for saying those words, but you didn't point those at me. Get your mind on me, and then I'm going to throw some, I'm going to remind you of how great I am. Even when you're doing something as quote unquote simple as praying over your food, I want you to know that I'm the one that gave you that thing that you're about to eat. Without my provision, you have an empty plate. You might need to write that down, stick it on your mirror, and remind yourself of that every day. So when we pray, when I gather over our food, rarely, rarely do I ask Him unless He tells me to. And this is a revelation from a word He gave me many years ago about blessing the food. I Rarely do I sit there and, and ask Him to bless the food. I give thanks. And I, you'll hear me refer to that. Those of you that know me, I say that a lot. I give thanks. Father, I thank you for whatever it is that's in front of us. However I might say it, I give thanks. If I'm blessing it, it's because He told me, you need to let me bless this food because something's wrong with it. If you're sitting with me and I say, Father, bless this food, if I didn't do that, you were getting food poisoning. We should be that keen. We laugh. But we should be that aware. Is that not true? Should we not be so aware that even over something as simple as the food that in our mind is simple, but to the Father it's not because it is sustenance. When we look at that food, should we not be aware enough so that we're giving, we're contemplating how He was in that meal? So as I'm giving thanks and, and I release, I want to make sure I'm hearing what you're saying and I want to focus on what are you saying about this thing because if you're telling me to bless it, I don't want to miss that moment and then be in the bed for the next 24 hours or whatever it might be. So he said, I will meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. I want to focus on that first part. I'm going to, Father, I'm going to meditate on your precepts. What I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to contemplate. Let me give you a definition of meditation in, in, the, in the Webster. It says it's a devotional exercise of or leading to contemplation. So, Father, I am going to contemplate your precepts. And everything that I do, as I come before you, even whether I'm driving down the road, kneeling beside my bed, sitting over my sofa, or in the church on Sunday morning or whatever day it might be, in the building, whatever, wherever I might be, Father, I am going to contemplate your precepts. I'm going to contemplate what you have laid out for me, what you have set before me, so that I can engage the fullness of what you have for me. Because what happens if I contemplate it? I become aware of it. If I do not contemplate on His precepts, I may not even know that He has presented something for me. Isn't that right? If I do not contemplate, if I do not meditate on it, I am not even aware. I might completely miss what He has put on the plate at my table. But if I come into my time with Him and I begin to meditate, and I take the time to simply listen. See, last week was about talking to God. Talk, talk, talk. Talk to Him. This week is about listening. We're going to do an exercise right now. For 30 seconds, we're going to listen. All of us. Not a sound. Let me know when 30 seconds is up.
How hard was that? Do you know what I had to do? When that 30 seconds began, I looked at my iPad, and I had to turn my head, drop my head, get, so that wasn't my focus. Then I saw my notes here, and I had to turn my head because that became my focus. I looked at that bucket, and I had to look somewhere at the steps because that became my focus. And then right at the end, I thought, I wonder if they started watching the clock. Because that seems like a long 30 seconds. How many thought that? How many thought somebody forgot to start the timer? You did. You know you did. What happens? When instead of finding ourselves in those moments of meditation where we are simply not talking, but we are listening. Get rid of the distractions. As a starting point, it's probably important, maybe we need to sit in a dark room where we can't see our iPad and our notes and our buckets and our steps and whatever else. And sit and learn. See, do we know how to meditate? We know how to talk. Do we know how to listen? If you, again, ask your husband and your wife, they'll be the first to let you know that. And I'm, I will even go so far as to say when we learn how to listen to him, we'll learn better how to listen to our husbands and wives or employers or whomever else. Father, I'm going to meditate on your precepts. I'm going to contemplate who you are in silence. I'm going to sit here and think you're amazing. This isn't about me. Meditation isn't about me. Meditation's about him. I'm not meditating on my issues. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Meditation isn't about me thinking about and reconsidering all over and over and over again all about my troubles or even my successes. Oh, I did really well there. You must be very proud. I mean, everybody told me how good it was. What do you think? I mean, I'm meditating. I'm really contemplating your answer. Meditation isn't about you and me. Meditation's about Him. Everybody say it, meditation. meditation. It's about Him. I'm going to meditate on your precepts. Man, you're good. Father, you're amazing. You're awesome. You're faithful. I think about what your voice sounds like. I'm listening. Your words are important to me. Your ways are so important to me. We don't have answers because we too often don't contemplate His words. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7 reads like this. It says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. In other words, meditate upon what I say because He will give you the answer, the understanding that you need. Oftentimes, we don't get the understanding because we get an answer, but if we're not listening, all we're doing is hearing. It's like what I said about my wife when she says, did you hear anything I said? And I said, yeah, you asked me, did I feed the dogs? She said, no, I didn't say that. I said, I fed the dogs. So if you fed the dogs, if I had just responded and did that quickly and acted before I really heard, if I had acted, the dogs would have been fed twice. My dogs don't need to be fed twice. How many times do we do that with a father? We, we okay, I'm in a hurry. Whew, this is what I heard. Now I'm going to act. And he's saying, I'm giving you bits and pieces. Sit still. Sit still and listen to me. If we are confused about anything, our tendency is to avoid or ignore it. If there's anything that is confusing to us, our tendency, human nature, is to avoid it or ignore it. When we feel like, if we're a person who feels like God's not talking to me, first of all, the question would always be, have we sat still and listened? And have we listened enough where He could do what he, say what He wanted to say? 
But if we're not hearing and we become confused about it, our tendency is, I'm not doing that anymore. Relationship with the Father is about maturing. It's about growing up. We all come into a relationship with Him infants, as infants. He matures us through the ministry of the Word, through the uh, Holy Spirit, in multiple different ways. He begins to grow us and mature us. But when we hear, and if we aren't certain about what we heard, we will make a decision and we will begin to ignore that thing or just push that thing off and say, or, or disqualify it. It's not real. But what if we contemplate or meditate on it until we have clarity? What if when the Father speaks something to us, we sit on it until we have clarity? We come before Him every day. I need you to hear what I'm saying today. It's good to talk to Him. It's also good to be silent before Him. In fact, I would even go so far as it's probably better to be silent longer than we are talking. When we come before Him and we're, we're positioned, and there's a, a retraining that has to happen, not just in one or two people, but in all of us, there's a retraining that has to happen because what we've done is we've grown to this place, we've come to this place where now we are fixed in our path of relationship with Him. We're pretty confident in it. We're pretty proud of it. We feel like, hey man, I've got it. I, me and God, we're tight, we're close. He's blessing me, He's blessing my family, He's doing everything. I, it's just amazing how I see God working in my life. So we get into this method, we get into this routine, we get into this place I talked about last week, we get into this, this row. And the whole time the Father's saying, I wish you would be still because while that was good, what started as good is going to become something that will become a hindrance to you. What started as life is becoming a hindrance to you. Because when you were quiet enough to hear what I did then, suddenly you're no longer quiet to hear what I want to do now. Do you delight in Him and do you delight in His work? Psalm 111 verse 2 reads like this. says, Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Another version says, Contemplated, meditated upon by all who delight in Him. Great are the works of the Lord, meditated upon by all who delight in them. Father, I know who you are. And you're not just the God of my 1985 when I came to an altar and got saved. You're not just God of whatever day where you did this amazing thing and you poured out in my life but you're always God. And you're so much bigger than whatever it is I understand right now. You're more than that. Do you believe that this morning? He's more than whatever measure that you give Him today. The answers you seek, whatever answers they are, they're found in Him. And He will release those when we become a people who are not always opening our mouth, but we're taking the time to sit, as it were, on a little bench, in a little room, in a little church, in a little city. We take the time to sit on that bench and say, I am going to force myself to not say a word because I am here to hear yours. God, you hear me all the time. Today, Yahweh, I want to hear you. Today, I know there's a word in you for me. People, today, I know there's a word in Him for you. Not for one, not for two, not for the one that's here every week, not for the one that's visiting today. There's a word in Him for every single person that is in this room and under the sound of my voice today. Every single person who calls Him Lord. Every single person who has received Jesus Christ, I'm telling you today, there's a word in the Father for you. There's something He wants to say to you. Can we take the time to close our mouth and to present ourselves before Him as a living sacrifice and say, Father, today my ears are wide open. I position myself to know what I could not if all I did was talk. I position myself today to know you. 
I know that the answers that I need, not only for my failures, my challenges, my struggles, but also for my successes, my good days too, there's an answer in you for all of these. Whether it's on a high day or a low day, a great day or a not so great day, the answers that are in you that you want to release and pour out will only be heard by he who has learned to meditate both day and night upon the Word of God. To lay myself out and to say before you, I want to hear. Yes, there's things in me that I want to say, but in my saying, teach me to be a listener. I said this morning, I said it last week, I think, but I said this morning and I, and I just hope you understand it. But I believe with all of my heart, if I, if you, if we could first learn and then also teach the next generation and the next generation and the next generation how to talk to God how to listen to God there would no longer for that person be a need to repent of sin because you will come to a point if I am listening to God and I'm obedient to what He says I will not make place for sin in my life are we there? Probably not. But I believe if we can learn to talk to Him, if we can learn to meditate, if we can learn to contemplate who He really is, see, to too many God today is a moment. He's from 10 to noon on Sunday morning. To too many. God is that person that only when I'm challenged do I go to. To too many. But if we can come to the place where we talk to Him and in our talking we know how to be quiet and we meditate on Him, contemplate his words I want to tell you the more we learn the more we listen the more we grow the more we're changed and the less Adam there will be in us and the more Christ do you hear me today would you stand with me this morning please So what do we do, Father, if in us today? What do we do with if one of us is one or two of us or ten of us or many of us are ones who are confused about how to hear your voice? What do we do? Teach us to listen. To simply be quiet. And to trust that even in the quietness in fact, mostly in the quietness, you speak. You speak. Teach us today to be hearers. Be changed by what we hear. In our hearing, in our hearing, man, you steer the ship. You order our steps. Hallelujah. Help us today, Holy Spirit. Help us today. Help us today to meditate upon the Father day and night. Help us to not 
slip you into only this hour or only this moment or only this time every day but to recognize that this relationship we have with you is 24-7 every minute of every day Father I thank you stir us today of my mouth the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord I come to you purely I come to you genuinely I come to you not with false pretenses but completely totally with ears wide open I want to know you Well, let me ask this of you. If you're quiet before Him and He speaks to you, don't just raise your hand because it's an easy thing to do, maybe expected thing to do. But if He comes and he, in your quietness, in your time of meditation, He begins to show Himself to you in a different way, would you engage it? know what you're thinking. What do you mean in a different way? I don't know what your way is. But you've been doing something for a long time the same way. For me, the way I prayed was all talk, no listen. When he came to me and spoke to me, I'm glad I didn't resist. I'm glad I was willing to say, that time, I'm glad I was willing to say, okay, I'm not saying a word. I'm going to sit right here on this bench and I'm not going to say a word. And I don't remember if I said until you speak to me. I, I don't know if I did that. That might have been my religious way back then. I don't know. All I know is I did sit on that bench and I did hear his voice. And he did give me a word and I did write those words down. And I did preach those words that night. In that tent in Macon, Georgia or wherever it was. I do know that. There's never been another living God. He's the only one. And He's the only one that will forever be living. There's never been another God that wants you to hear His voice as much as He wants to hear yours. I can tell you today, when we begin to hear Him and we begin to focus on Him and turn our attention to Him completely, entirely and totally, He'll change your life. He will change your life. Amen? So I give thanks today for this time. I give thanks today that you are rearranging our thoughts, our mind, our ways, what we do. I give thanks today that You're still setting people free. I give thanks today that you are still causing confusion to yield to purpose, to peace, and to hope. Father, I give thanks today. study His works. To meditate on Him is to know Him. To meditate on Him is to know Him. I said to my wife, I'll just say it this way, I said to my wife recently, I'll just put it like that. We were doing something, she reached over, she grabbed my hand. She held my hand. 
She holds my hand all the time. I hold her hand all the time. We hold, we, we hold hands. We, walk, we go through Publix, we're always holding hands. Always, we hold hands. I love her, she loves me. We were doing something, and we show it. And we don't hide, hide it. Doesn't mean that there aren't times that we're not paying attention to one another. But we were doing something and she reached over, she grabbed my hand. I didn't ask her to, she just reached over and grabbed my hand. And man, inside of me, it just was like, man, I like that. And then I thought, I looked over at her and I said, I love it when you do that. I love it when you do that. Just that simple thing, because it, it says so much to me. I'm an affectionate guy. She's an affectionate person. But it has nothing to do with communication. We communicate because we want to know one another. And for lack of a better way to put it, I think sometimes it's really important. Nothing had to be said. She didn't say a word. She didn't talk to me. She didn't say, babe, I love you so much. I just want to reach over and grab your hand. She just reached over and grabbed my hand, held my hand. You know, when we were teenagers, we used to hold hands like this. Now we just hold hands like we're shaking around. We're just touching. But it didn't require any words. She simply held my hand without a single word. I heard so much. So for lack of a more clear way of putting things this morning, maybe it's time you simply reach over and grab his hand. No words. What do you have to say? She didn't ask me to say anything. I just reached over and I said, I love it when you do that. And I want to hear the Father say, I love it when you do this. I love it when you sit there and you, when, when what, what's in me is important to you. Amen? Say this with me this morning. Put your hands on yourself and say this with me. Say, I will meditate on His Word both day and night. Both day and night. Amen? Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning.